I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. to another episode uh, Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast in a busy time here for Ginger and Dutch last week for the first time ever we had two episodes including our Instagram live episode with friend of the show old boy I'm a little disappointed I think he swore just maybe one too many times but uh no you guys did a great job I'm sorry I missed it um prior engagement so uh no family I- comes first my yeah, friend so yeah. not a problem yeah but an exciting time in sports, and we're not going to be able to get to talk about absolutely everything uh, today, but MLS is back. They've signed a new contract. They're beginning, I believe, in April in Florida, so it's it's too hot for our beloved Blue Jays to play baseball in the summertime. But soccer's going to go. But soccer's okay, <laughs> yeah. so we're okay there. Hey, MLB, we didn't talk. MLB's starting too, right? Pitchers and trainings. Uh, I guess the, the rest of the team's coming back, I think, today. Today I or think tomorrow. So. So. Yeah, so tons to talk about. We're going to get to the MLB. For MLB fans out there, we're going to get there. NCAA. Big continue, and of course, I know you wanted to talk about it, but I vetoed you off this today's list. The Toronto Raptors. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it next week. We had a, we've had a couple weeks where we've been talking about it, but break up the wraps. I told you, I said above five hundred going into this quote unquote All Star break. They've only got five games to go. They're above five hundred right now. They're on a roll, and they haven't just beat mediocre teams. They just beat the top team in the East by beating the 76ers. They got another big one up uh, against them, I believe, tomorrow, which will be airing either tomorrow or Wednesday. So it's going to be good. Good time for the Raps. I wonder what they're going to do now with Kyle Lowry. They won three in a row without his thumb, without him him being out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I promise, folks, we're going to have Eric Smith on here in the next month or so. He'll help us break down the Raps and get him a better idea as to what's... uh, What's going to happen? Tennis, with tennis, tennis. You want to talk about tennis? So I'm end ready. it off. I, let's I got, tie a bow on this and put it to bed once sure, and for all. Sure, I got a list list there, but let's talk about the Aussie Open. I know you're excited that tennis is going. We're only going to talk when the majors come up, folks. I know this isn't a tennis sports uh, podcast here, but we we definitely know a little bit about it, so we're gonna we're gonna hit it. What did you think? Uh, crazy, not crazy, but. Uh, Talk to ladies. Yes, it was surprising. I thought Serena had that tournament wrapped up. Yeah. Um, other Naomi Osaka, absolutely unbelievable. I know she kind of had a cakewalk. You know, Serena was the lowest seed that she did play, but no one even challenged her. Like she got pushed to three sets one time. You can't pick the, the draw. And, and, it's not her fault. No, right? I know. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I think it's to a point that you're going to speak on here about just the state of the, the ladies' tennis game right now. You look at it. Well, this was Osaka's fourth major. Yeah. That's almost as many as the rest of the whole entire top ten. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the whole top ten I added up there, uh, Ken's got one, Halep's got two, uh, Barley's got one. Uh, there, I think there's six majors. And she was only ranked number number three in this tournament. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you look at the, the top five, six in ladies' tennis right now, and, uh, you know... There's not there's not really much to talk about. It's not really that interesting for me. I mean, I'm not a t- tennis purist, but there's really not much that's attracted me to watch it um, when typically I like to watch the four majors. But um, it's been a bit tough. She is, she is, she should be number one, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and she's got the ability here to make a nice little run and get herself up close to double digits, if not into double digits in the majors because of that fact. 
we all love tennis, and I think where tennis really starts to shine is when you get these rivalries. Uh, Joker versus Nadal versus Federer versus Nadal. And yeah. You have four or five people that can, men or female, that can um, go out and win a major. But yeah. there's not even, to me, a challenger right now in, in the ladies' game in, in the top ten for Osaka, and I think she's got a chance to, to really make a run. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And But, you know, good for Jennifer Brady for... For making a finals, uh, you know she was I think ranked twenty second. Yep. And and good for her for making the finals. Um, Osaka just outclassed her in, in in this in this finals. Uh, not to say that that's always going to be the case, but um, yeah, let's talk men. Uh, who else? The Joker, <laughs> the number king, nine, the King Down Under, the King Down Under, torn abdominal. Whether you believe it or not, uh, same kind of story as Osaka though. Only forced to five sets once. In the third round, uh, Milos gave him somewhat of a challenge, but not really. So, yeah, it was it was domination again, and wasn't even a tournament. He's the number one ranked player in the world, and and check this stat out. That was the sixth time he was the number one seed in the Aussie Open, and in that spot, he's never lost. He's forty two and zero down under. I got him in a crazy spot in my top five here for our goat. So I can't wait to talk about it. Um, it's too bad we didn't get to see another Nadal Djokovic final. Um, let's hope that Federer can get back. Let's uh, let's see where this goes throughout this season. Um, it's going to be interesting. But uh, listen, he's peaking, and he's been peaking for the last couple of years. He's 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 rocking and rolling, and that's Novak Djokovic is absolutely on the top of the world right now. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see. 10-6, I think, is the, the Grand Slam finals record for um, Nadal versus Joker. So it would have been nice to see Joker maybe push that to 10-7, make that a little bit closer, continue that argument that we're going to get into here shortly. Um, but uh, Clay, just, clay, clay, whatever. Just the class. Well, uh, with a comment like that, let's let's get into it. You want to start off? Yeah, yeah. First off, I think you want to talk about the because I know you don't like this whole thing that I've supposedly forced you to. Yeah, to yeah. do here. I, I, I like this top five goat for for sports and for. This for, is a new segment, by the way, brought to you by the Ginger Dutch Podcast called "Who's the Goat?" And today's topic, we're talking just, top five tennis players all time, men. Or female, right? Which is just absolutely asinine that you did that. So, so I'm pissed off about that because this men and female thing, and that's not a, a slight on male or female, but you can't tell me. And I put a female in my top five of all time based on it. But when you're talking who can beat who, and you're talking the top of the top of the shop, you can't tell me Serena Williams can beat any of those three guys, let alone maybe a, a pistol, a Pete Sampras, a, a Bjorg. A, Why not? Because I just they play mixed doubles, don't they? So mixed doubles is mixed doubles. One-on-one, I just don't see it, but I could be wrong. It's too bad because in their prime, I would have loved to have seen it. But anyways, let's go top five. You want to start or you want me to start? I don't care. I'm ready to go. You kick it off for us. All right, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. I'm going to start. And I know there's a few guys that I just early mentioned. I know there's a few guys that aren't even going to make the list, and that's that's like a, a Labor, Lendl, Borg. There's a few of these guys, uh, and I might shock you uh, and Samper. So I'm going to shock you with my number five. But this guy holds the the most titles in the modern era. He's got 101, 109 titles. He was one of my favorite guys growing up, next to McEnroe while going, and that's James Jimmy. Connors at number five. Okay, I know he only had eight Grand Slam titles, but it's I, I just I just think that he was in an absolute incredible, and I'm basing that one solely on wins. Okay, so that's why I got him there at number five. How many Grand Slams? I told you he's only got eight. 
eight grand slams. Okay. okay? No problem. I get it, but I, I just loved his style. And it's maybe just a homer pick. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Number four, I, I just threw it in there so that I didn't get shit from you. And that's Serena Williams. And as I said, I'm only putting her in there because you asked about go to tennis. 23 grand slam title uh, titles, 73 total. But 23 singles. Singles, yep. So I know there's some doubles in there. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So the big guys don't play them anymore. That's there's there's a reason for that. Okay. She just did it because she knew there was no other competition on that side. So we'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> come on. Okay. But think about Steffi Graf. Think about Martina Navratilova. Those two, they, in their era, they had the number one ranked seed longer than she ever had it. Okay, for consecutive weeks at a time, I think she tied with Graf once, but for overall, those two were still better. And don't get me wrong, Serena is definitely number one in the world of all time and will never be touched in ladies' tennis, but I can only put her at number four. Okay? Number three, King of the Clay, Rafa Nadal, 86 career titles, 13 of them at the French. So this is why I've got him where he is, okay? Grand Slam Tournament Finals, 28. He's got 20 titles, eight runner-ups, and he's 34 years old, so he's kind of, I don't know where, where he's going to fit in if he's going to keep riding, okay? And yes, this is where I'm going to shock you, okay? And I'm saying this because I think that this is a future GOAT pick, even though we're in the present. Number two, Roger Federer. 103 titles. He's only won one French. He's got Grand Slam Tournament Finals, 31. He's won 20 Grand Slams, 11 runner-ups. But here's where it is. He's 39. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Very little. He is, you know, he could be number one maybe as we say right now. But I think ultimately the guy that we talked about with the Australian Open is Novak Djokovic, is the number one. He's the greatest tennis player of all time. He will be the greatest player he of all time. Even have the most it doesn't matter. It's coming. They're coming. Nadal has more it wins doesn't than him. Matter. Federer has more he, wins than if him. You, if you follow Jimmy Djokovic, Connors it, has more it wins It doesn't than matter. Him. You follow Djokovic's career and you follow when he peaked. He's peaked later than everybody else and he's still only 33 years old. He's the youngest out of all these guys. Okay. 82 career titles. Okay. Yeah, only one French as well. Same thing. 28 Grand Slam tournament finals. 18 titles. 10 runner-ups. Actually, it would be 19, I believe, now if uh, I think I'm, I'm off one or not. But I have him up there. I think he's going to continue to climb, and I think he's going to catch Roger Federer. I think he's going to catch Jimmy Connors. He still has five more years before he – six more years to get to where Federer is. And in those six years, do the math. If you add – even if you win five championships uh, in those six years, that's 30 more. He's going to surpass them all. Jokovic, number one in my books. Let me hear your – Bag of yeah, you're absolutely insane. You're absolutely I'm not insane. insane. You're insane. I'm not. Insane. You wanted it, you got okay. it. Okay, there you go. All right, so let's start with my fifth overall here. And and here's here's something that I looked at, okay? I looked at, if I take you off your best surface, how good are you? Because if you're going to be in the top five tennis players, male and female of all times, I want somebody that's more well-rounded. I don't want somebody that just dominates on one surface. Okay, and that's why this guy falls in my mind down to number five. Okay, I get it. Absolutely dominant. Maybe the most dominant sports figure that we've seen in any sport since Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and that is Rafael Nadal on the clay. 
81 straight wins on the clay surface. Okay? 86 titles. That's great. You want to know how many won on clay? 60. Okay? That's only 26 wins on the three other surfaces that they play on. Yeah. 20 grand slams. Fantastic. Okay? 13 of them came at one tournament. Yeah. You've only got seven other majors. Okay? So Rafael Nadal, he's fallen down to my number five. Okay? My number four tennis player of all time. Gonna shock you here. Okay? But I believe that this tennis player had the greatest four-year run in any stretch of any person that played tennis on, German. Earth, on this planet that we call Earth. And that stretch happened from 1987 to 1990. And that individual was Steffi Graf. 377 weeks, straight weeks at number one. Okay? Won all four majors and a gold medal in 1988. How's that? You win all four majors and you're the gold medal champion. 107 career titles. One of the only people to have three or more titles in each of the grands, the four Grand Slams. She's got four Aussies, six French, seven Wimbledon, five U.S. No, Opens. It, it didn't so it matter. matter. It didn't matter which surface that she played on. She was dominant. Ten major doubles titles. There is something that's called doubles tennis. They do have tournaments. Okay. Doesn't matter. They don't just play singles. That's not important to me in this 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 one. From 1987 in the French to the 1990 French, she played in 13 consecutive Grand Slam finals, 88.7% winning percentage on the tour on the WTP tour. She held in 1988 seven of the eight singles and doubles major championships at one time, folks. Absolutely dominant, one of the greatest of all time. Steffi Graf coming in at my number four. Females of all time, yeah. Okay, number three is your number one, and that's the Joker. I don't need to run through the stats. Same thing. I got he falls down my list because it's it, it, it's dominant on the one on the Aussie Open. Take that out, and what do you got? You got nine majors. Okay, three hundred nine weeks at number one. You're not even in the top. Five there of consecutive weeks on, sure. on number one. Sure. Okay, you, you you played in an era, I get it, that was very difficult. You were against some of the best in the world with, with Nadal and Federer on some of these big tournaments. But I've got the Joker coming in as my number three. Number two, Roger Federer. You went through the stats, six Aussies, one French. Yeah, he's only won one on French, ground. and that's the thing. Like, if there's no Nadal, then maybe we're talking that Roger Federer would never be touched. But that's coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? Because Rafa stole a lot of championships away from Federer. And he stole a lot of championships away from Djokovic on that court. You're right. You're right. Continue on with it because, sure, we'll flip on that. But I just think that in the long run, Djokovic is going to surpass that, and that's why I've got him up there. And my number one tennis player, I said it last week, I prefaced it last week, teased it last week, 85.3% winning percentage, 23 majors in singles, 14 in doubles. She was absolutely dominant on the tour from 05 to 2010, singles, doubles. It didn't matter. One of the best. 319 straight weeks at number one. Serena Williams is my all-time greatest tennis player. I can't argue with with her being the the the, the best female um, possible athlete slash um, tennis player of all time. I just it, it's a tough one. We'll 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 make jokes about the fact that we you know we, we could have segregated it to men and women. And and yeah, if you're looking at stats, and I, I can't argue with that. But I just if I'm looking at just 
I don't want to say pound for pound because that may be, be wrong on that because Serena's uh, got more muscle than most of those guys. She's a rock. Um, but I, I don't know. I, she's lucky to be in uh, in my, my top five. But anyways, good segment. Uh, I had fun doing it. What, what do we got next week for? Because we're going to do this for a few weeks, you said. Yeah, who's the GOAT? It's our new segment. And next week we've got the top five current NHL forwards in the game right now. Forwards, okay, cool. Forwards. Yeah, Top five forwards right. in the game right now. Right. We're talking, is Austin Matthews up there? Connor McDavid? Is Sidney Crosby Saku still? Koivu? Saku Koivu, <laughs> Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Yep. And little Mitchie Marner, is he going to crack the list too? So we'll uh, we'll get into that next week on our Who's the Goat segment. So let's good. get into the NHL before we talk our contenders and pretenders and bring on our special guest to talk about the Penguins. But the NHL in the absolute debacle of the outdoor game, they totally missed the boat. Well, yeah, Sorry, I didn't tune in at midnight after you uh, put the game on a place that could have been warm enough that they couldn't even make ice. Yeah, it was it was a the gone. The background was fantastic. They did absolutely. They're lucky they're not a ginger's garbage because no, that was it, awful. It was bad. Last night though, they 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 did the night version of it and they didn't have any issues with the ice. And actually, last night's game was pretty cool with the sun setting and that. And they just missed the boat, but that's. That's all what you always talk about this over and over and over again. And funny enough, you've got it on here to talk about, you know, the Gary Bettman and the new TV deal. That's what this was all about, right? Is that they want to have that that special game on at friggin' noon, right? So or noon, one, two, whatever, in the, the Saturday afternoon slot because they think Americans are going to watch hockey at that time. I, it's just an absolute joke. But, yes, debacle in Tahoe. For sure, I don't know. I think the highlight of uh, last night was the guy running in the speedo with the with the American <laughs> speedo into the cold uh, into the cold water. Yeah. Why don't they play on a real pond, man? I know they can't. I know they can't. I mean, you you can't get cameras out there and all that kind of stuff Correct. properly. But man, it wouldn't it be cool to sit that they played on an actual pond, old school hockey? But put it in a place where you know it's going to be cold enough that there's absolutely no chance that this could happen. Because who in the hell stayed up till midnight to watch that game? They, they were. They wanted scenery. They wanted scenery. Well, they got scenery, and they got some bad ice. <laughs> That's it. They yeah. got a pond, right? You want to yeah. play on a pond? Well, they got a it pond. It was horrendous. The slush was And then awful. the last night's game, it, 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 the guys out there wearing sunglasses, and yeah. it, like you could barely even see. Pasternak oh. got a hat trick, and did you see his uh, press conference afterwards? Hey, Oh, my God. They were talking about Barbie singing a Barbie song in the dressing room. It was just the... Anyways, yeah, the game was pretty good. Uh, Boston's, Boston's, uh, hmm, they might be in my contender. Oh, come on, get off of it. They won one game. That doesn't matter, man. But you know what? It is exciting for the NHL. It sounds like ESPN's going to step up and possibly get a new uh, TV deal or help them out on a partial TV deal. So that's big news for the NHL. But let's get into our contenders and our pretenders. I'll let you you kick us off here. You got a couple different teams than, uh, than what I got. Okay, well, I'll start. I'll, I'm just gonna, we're gonna do two contenders, two pretenders, right? Yep. So I, I don't have much to talk about with it, but we're just I'm just gonna throw it out there, and I've been saying it for the past three weeks, and and I'm gonna go with contenders, my two contenders right now, and and they're both well, they used to be changed the divisions up, so we'll just say we got the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep, I'm going there. Okay, they're the best team in hockey right now, B- barring how good or bad their division is, we still don't know. Okay, you know, Edmonton is starting to come on a little bit. Montreal, who knows where they're going to end ultimately end up. But Toronto is is a full team package right now. Their their D course playing solid. Um, Anderson's been playing really good. I just think that they're they're legit, and I like the fact that they're going to hopefully um, 
get a, a, a first-round playoff where, well, we know they don't have to play my other contenders, which is the Boston Bruins, which I'm going to get to in a second. But it'd be nice if maybe they can get a win and then uh, and then make a deep run this year. Well, let's hope so. Second contender. Yes, so I'm telling you. I can't argue you there, so I'm not, not going to argue The that. Boston Bruins have uh, not missed a beat without Zdeno Chara. They just keep doing it. Okay? And there's just no other way around it. They've got their core guys are just continuing to put up numbers over and over and over again. And like I said, without Chara back there, you know, McAvoy's doing his job. They're, they've, they've got a stout D. Goaltending's been fantastic. And, and how can you not knock the best line in hockey right now, which is Pasternak, absolutely that line. And uh, Bergeron and Marchand are just lights out. Don't want to see them anytime soon in the playoffs. Pretenders. I know I have this team, I, we said it earlier, I had this team that to be um, into the playoffs, okay? And that's the Carolina Hurricanes, okay? I know, I think, like I said, they're a playoff team. Um, but 12-3-1, which is the second most points in the league, which is kind of hard to believe. Just don't see with this type of cast that they can make a deep playoff run. Ready? Sebastian Ajo, Sevetsnikov, Trocek. Nita Ryder, Jordan Stahl, Tara Vinen, James Reimer, 8-1. <laughs> He's filling in good for Peter Morazic, but I just don't see. There's just not enough. There's no star power there. I can't see them. I, I, I think they're going to make a playoffs, but I, I just don't see them being. I, th I, I have them as pretenders. And my last pretender, this one's kind of in the middle here, is Chicago Blackhawks. Okay? They're... Right now, they're in a good spot. They're fitting, sitting third in the central right now, behind Carolina and Florida. Okay, I'll tease you because they got the second best forward right now in the NHL. Sure, nine, six, and four, but I just don't think they're that good. Like I said before, there's lots of hockey left, and you still have the defending champs. You've got Dallas, and I think even Columbus are all going to pass them in the standings, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks are going to falter down and might even miss the playoffs. That's what I'm marking down. There's my two contenders right now and my two pretenders. Love it. Love it. I can't argue too much with any of those. I'm, uh, I'm on board with most of that. I'll, uh, I'll continue on your pretender front here, and uh, I'm going to talk about the Washington Capitals. Okay? This team has a negative goal differential. Okay? Other than those top two scores, not a whole lot's happening. With the uh, the Washington Capitals, you know, you talked about a cast and, and all these guys. You got, you know, Tom Tom Wilson, minus two. You got T.J. Oshie doing absolutely nothing. I just don't see the Washington Capitals as a long term contender. They got Vitek Vanasek in net at 25 years old. Not a lot, a whole lot of experience there. After losing Holpe, I think the Washington Capitals are in for a little bit of a slide here. I don't think they're going to be contending at any time soon. I, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to disagree with you. And I want to slow you down here a little bit. But you got to remember, they're one of the teams that got hit with some COVID uh, issues. Okay, and you're forgetting. I think that that their their goaltending can be fixed once Ilya Samsonov comes back. He only played two games. He's been out. He was out for COVID. It hit him really hard. He was yeah. hospitalized. He was down and out. So if they can shore up the goalie, I may disagree with you. But yeah, right now, yeah, it's looking like that's the case. But just keep in mind, if he comes back, you never know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They got a big matchup tomorrow against Pittsburgh, who we'll get to in a minute here. My other pretender, Carey Price, and the Montreal Canadiens, Toffoli, Suzuki, 
Josh Anderson coming back to earth. Coming back to earth. The the the. They're a depth squad, but they're just they don't have the superstar power. They don't have that line that can get you over the top, like you talked about in Boston, like we're seeing in Toronto, um, like you have in Chicago sometimes when the train and days are, are hot. I just don't have trust in those those top the top line in Montreal or the top six in Montreal. Carey Price, a pedestrian, eight ninety three save percentage. Jake Allen, Josh Allen, <laughs> you can throw anybody back there. I just don't think the Montreal Canadiens. Um, top to bottom from a skater perspective from forwards to defense is good enough. They're in my pretender list. They may sneak in in that spot, in that fourth spot, and maybe play Toronto in the first round, but uh, I just don't see I'm this sure you're gonna. Being. I'm sure you're going to hear from uh, from some of those diehard Canadian fans saying that you, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, but I can't agree more. There you go. <laughs> On to my contenders. My first contender with some hot goaltending by Chris Dredger and Mr. Bobrovsky is the Florida Panthers, 6-1 and one for Dredger. Listen, they've got Barkov, Huverdo, who's going to sound like he may be on the top line here when it comes Olympic time. They've got Hornquist in there. They've got Yandel and Ekblad on the back end. Yep. Anthony DeClaire seemed to have found a home and found a spot in Florida. The Florida Panthers are legit, folks. I think they're going to stay up top in that division. I like it. And they're on my contender list. And... My last contender just finished his thousandth game, ready for another cup run as he gets older and older here, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why not Sid the kid and the boys? You know what? Like you said, they've got uh, Rust Malkin starting to find his his groove. I can't Gensel's wait to hear what our going. special guest has got to say about this. You've kind of prepped this up perfectly, and I know you're you've been big on Pittsburgh, so um, keep going with it. Brandon Tanev, Latang on the back end. Why not the Pittsburgh Penguins? All right, Dutch. To help us talk some Pittsburgh Penguins hockey, we got the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Sports Now beat reporter for the Penguins and former NFL writer of the Minnesota Star Tribune, the Baltimore Sun, Matt Venzel. His claim to fame on his social media is he is... (laughs) The number one men's league beer hockey glue guy. Matt, tell us all about how you're the number one beer league glue guy. I love it. That's just about perfect for our Ginger and Dutch listeners. Yeah. Well, one of us doesn't even skate, and that's not me. But uh, the other guy doesn't even know how to skate properly, so uh, uh, that's cool. And I and I was uh, just to have you know on the '92 uh, Stanley Cup run when they won in uh, in Detroit Game Seven, I was actually there. It was one of our claim to fame. It was on a podcast a couple weeks ago. We were talking about it. So uh, I'm we're big Pittsburgh fans as well. Matt, um, you came out. We came out with the article last week here. Um, talk to us about it. We had some, some big names, Mark Recchi, Rico Fada, Ryan Malone, talking about Sidney Crosby and, and just his career and, and what level he, he's played at and, and what level he's playing at now. Talk to us about that article and, and what you found in, in discovering, uh, we're talking to all those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's
You know, he's we, we know he's still playing at an elite level right now and, you know, nearly a point a game this season. I know we're only 16 games in, but can he keep it up and can he can he help carry this team for, a, you know, another long playoff run? What do you think? I think so individually, yeah. Um, you know, he's not scoring as much as he did. I mean, you see that a lot with aging curves anyways where, um, you know, guys who are more in like the, the young to mid-20s who are putting up the big points, but obviously – much more than a, a scorer, and um, you know, I think even though his, his kind of peripheral numbers aren't great, um, you know, I still think there's been a ton of impact. Um, he's still a really good player. Just a question about everyone else around him if they're going to be able to get over the hump. But I, I think with Sid in particular, I mean, he's the kind of player who is going to age well. Um, he talked last week about wanting to play as long as he can, and you know, you do think this is probably a guy with his smarts and his work ethic. Um, and just the way he plays and where he wins, um, that he's a guy who can play until he gets close to 40. So, you know, even if he kind of loses some of those physical gifts over time, I still think, you know, we're, we're probably looking at him, if he wants to, you know, six, seven years from now, being a, a very good two-way, you know, second or third-line center, you know, if he wants to play until he's 40. Do you think they'll change? Um, it, we, you don't ever see it in in NHL that often, but you think they'll they'll consider doing load management with him at all? I know that's a big thing in professional sports these days. Do you think that'll that'll pop up? I mean, obviously, five six years down the road, he's he's not going to be a you know first line um, player. We know that, but has there been any talk about any type of load management at all there? Or would Sid want to agree to something like that with him being yeah. so competitive, right? Yeah. Um, let's switch over to the team side talking you know we just finished up with Crosby there and the big 
you know thousand thousandth game. And let's switch over to the team side. This this team's uh, gotten gotten hot here. Won four out of the last five. What's been uh, what's been the key to that, Matt? You just took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to talk about goaltending. Uh, if if Tristan Yari gets to gets to play New York, uh, you think he's four and zero against them. So, is their goaltending good enough? They got two young young kids uh, that are just you know I don't want to say they're getting their feet wet, but can Tristan Jari can he take this load and take this team to a cup? Yeah, and, and you know we were on a couple of weeks ago with Adrian Dater from uh, a beat reporter for the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and we were talking about veteran goalies and and you know a couple of the guys from Detroit and and Big Save Dave from uh, from up in Calgary. Is, do you see Hextall and Burke, the new guys in town, possibly trying to add um, maybe a veteran goalie to kind of let Tristan? You know, take the reins if he can, and if he can't, you go into the playoffs hopefully with a with a veteran, reliable guy that maybe uh, can help things along. Do you see that as a possibility? Yeah. 
do that this year um, with it being a shortened season. But, um, you know, I think he's a talented guy, and it makes sense for them to, to give him a chance. You know, their backup, Casey DeSmith, um, you know, his numbers aren't great if you just look at the straight-up save percentage, but he's, four and one. he's a battler. I, I think his save percentage, like, in, in the third period in overtime is, like, 930, so... I, I don't know. If it was up to me, I would I would let it ride here. And, uh, you know, if it's getting towards the trade deadline and they're on the fringes of the playoff picture, maybe you do something. I do know that Burke and Hextall have both kind of said that they're going to kind of wait and see here. They're going to observe for a while before making any moves. And I, I think that's the way that they'll go. I don't think they're going to make any restitutions here, especially the Tristan playing well of late. Matt, we'll, uh, we've got a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll let you go and, and get ready for the game tomorrow night. But, um, you know, you mentioned Burke and Hextall there. Pittsburgh's a, Pittsburgh's a, a championship city and a, and a story tradition city. And, you know, you go, you're in Pittsburgh to win championships. What's the feeling in Pittsburgh around Ron Hextall and Brian Burke coming into town? And, you know, how is it, how is it viewed? Has it changed the, the view of the team? Has it changed the view of this season or the expectations here uh, moving forward? I think it's mostly been favorable, to be honest, which, you know, given, given the importance of this hire, you actually expect kind of more people to be, to be down on these moves. But I think a lot of people around here uh, were intrigued um, with Hextall in particular just because of his success drafting developing players. I mean, fair or not, the criticism of Jim Rutherford was that he would trade away picks and prospects uh, to chase cups. Now, they won a couple of cups, so I would argue that it was worth it, but I do see how the downside is, is that it left the Penguins without that much future assets. So I think people were excited about Hexel in particular because of the work he did, um, most recently with the Flyers and bringing in guys. And, and I think Burke was, um, you know, people were a little bit more surprised and, and also kind of puzzled by that and how he would fit in. But I think it makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, in addition to losing Rutherford, I mean, the Penguins have lost so many people from their front office. Um, over the past few years, and more, you know, even more recently, they lost Jason Carmanos, um, you know, this past fall. They really didn't have a ton left, so I, I think it was important for them to build back up that infrastructure. So I like the hires. I'm intrigued with what they're going to do. You know, I, like I said, they, they plan on kind of letting this year play out. I mean, they might tinker a little bit the trade deadline, but they're kind of they're going to sit back and observe, and if they don't like what they see, I think we'll see some significant moves this offseason, and, and I think that's the right approach. Yeah, t- time will tell, and, and they're in a in a good situation right now. I, I I think they'll be very competitive in the the division. We've often talked about you know playing the same team over and over again, but they're they're holding their own, and I I like the position they're in. Uh, last question before we let you go, Matt. Um, who who surprised you the most so far on this team? You know, is it a guy like Brian Rust who's you know just popped out of nowhere? You know, fifteen points, uh, pretty much a point a game, uh, or do you got a, somebody else in mind that pops in your head? Yeah, yeah.
yeah. he's really showing that he might be that guy. And then as far as PO goes, um, you know, you listen to all the prospect analysts. I mean, nobody really saw this coming this quickly. I mean, people saw him as maybe a fringe NHLer, um, but for him to come in this year um, when everyone thought he was starting the season in the minors um, and play as well as he did with all those injuries, I mean, I think he's shown that um, he's a guy that, at the very least, is is going to be a solid NHLer, and it's, they're going to face some interesting decisions here once Brian Dumoulin gets healthy about which guy is going to be out of the lineup. Awesome, awesome. Good breakdown there and uh, some good insight for our listeners. Matt, uh, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll let you uh, let you get back to getting ready for the game. We know you uh, made the, the trek up to uh, the D.C. area to uh, to get ready for tomorrow night's game. And, and best of luck with the rest of the Pen- Penguin season. And we'll be, uh, we'll be following along. Thanks for having me. Anytime, just give me a call. Come on. All right, awesome. Matt, you take care. Well, that was absolutely great breakdown from Matt. Yeah. Awesome, in-depth look at our Pittsburgh Penguins, a little more than what I provided before. I can't believe they think on. that. I can't believe he thinks he thinks and the organization thinks that that, you know, Crosby could be like a like a Tom Brady and, and hang around for another five, six years. I was flabbergasted when he when he brought that up. Uh, that they think that he could go for, you know, like I said, that that much longer. That's that's crazy for hockey terms. Yeah, it's in this day and age. Yeah, and something that that we've never seen in hockey for sure, and it's you know we've seen it in the other sports, and it's different with with quarterbacks because you're you're it's you're not always getting hit. Yeah, you get hit a lot, but you, it's not the the constant pounding like you see in hockey. Yep. Sid's played a lot of minutes and a lot of miles, especially with Team Canada. Um, has never turned down those opportunities, and that's why we love him up here. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he'll, be the, he'll be the captain. Yeah, for sure he will be. Yeah. So let's send our listeners off the break. Remember, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check out our live show, it's up on Instagram as well. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Ginger and Dutch One. We're going to have another live show coming up sometime in the month of March. Hopefully, we can get Dutch on there again. Your contract's running out. We're in a hard negotiation here. But uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. You're listening to another episode of Excellence by Ginger and Dutch. The Devil's Advocates of Sports Talk Radio. All right, folks. Welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed that little segment there from Ginger and Dutch. I was not able to get Dutch signed in between the break. (laughs) I was trying hard to get him to sign on my paper here for another uh, year. Um, So he may have to be a part-time employee of the Ginger and Dutch podcast as we move forward. But I'm still working on him, folks. (laughs) I know you all love him out there. But let's end off the episode. Uh, We had three major topics. We've covered two. A little Aussie Open and tennis. Some NHL talk with a special guest. Pretenders and contenders. Let's get to our golf picks. We fell uh, fell off the track a little bit last week looking to get on. Let's yeah. talk about it. Genesis yeah. Open, what do you think? It was tough. The golf course was tough, and, and I, I don't. I know with your stats last week about uh, you know 250 plus 50 to join, etc. I'm sorry, folks, but I, I, I got way better places to spend my money on. And I'm not discrediting it. The golf course, the greens were phenomenal. They were obviously too tough. Nice small greens. That's the way the tour should be, in my opinion. I've always said that. Minus 12. Uh, 12 to 15 uh, at best for scoring, I think, is is the way to go. I like to see these guys hitting 
um, balls out of uh, tough areas, uh, big trees, those the big gum trees. It was nice to see that. Obviously, the winds got a little bit hectic, but um, you take the winds out of the equation. That's the type of golf course, although it really doesn't do much for me um, as far as like a wow factor. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. But um, yeah, and we sucked. Our picks sucked. Uh, but you know what? Is it, time, is it time for Riviera to host another major? Has It's been since 98 at, in one of the senior events. 95 on the tour was the last time that it held a major. Do you think Riviera deserves a major setup? No, no. And I don't, and I, you may disagree with me. I, I think it's the challenge is there. And I think that they can even make it harder. And if provided, obviously, they don't get those, um, we'll call them the Santa Ana wins. But you know what I mean? Like the yeah, California the big wins, yeah. Yeah, if they don't get that um, it's definitely has the challenge and the makeup for it. They would have to change a little bit. That first hole would have to be a part four. They, they'd probably have to change it up a little bit. Um, I just think there's better courses out there, and and, and I, I need some variety, which is what we're going to see this week, Correct. which is going to be fun. But, you know, I wanted to talk, you know, briefly about how we missed the boat on our picks this week was, you know, we were a, a week late. We should have almost continued to ride our picks. Like, we, we, we missed the – we had home of the week before – he ends up winning in a playoff, and yep. Tony Fino can't get the job done yet again. Um, but you know, we managed to scrounge in. We had uh, we had Hovland in there. Uh, managed to, to cast again, so so, so, so we've yep. cashed in every week. Uh, you know, Rory was a huge disappointment. I mean, they could have told us that he was um, playing all new equipment because that wasn't on anywhere, and he played all new equipment this week. So hence the reason why he missed the cut. So did. JT, so did Bryce. Some big names. Some massive names there. And it's funny. That always happens. Uh, usually, Especially at Riviera. Yeah, and it happens yep. usually a week before any of these big majors. All the big stars show up, and we all get excited about it. And lo and behold, it's not a star. I know Rom tried to make a bit of a run, but DJ, I thought I would have bet the house that DJ was going to win. Especially after going out there in the morning and getting it around. He was only two back yeah. with all the delays that they had. He was made, two back. Made two birdies in the first six holes and, and then got boom. to seven and just kind of fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony, yeah, top 20 top fives had his opportunities. I, just, I, I, I feel sorry for him, but I know you got to bury that putt in the first playoff hole. But Holman missed the... Um, any men's league, as the club pro guy would say, in any men's league, when when Tony when uh, Max Holman missed that, looked like one footer on TV. It was, it was three and a half feet. It was yeah. three and a half feet. You've got to win, and he had his chance in the first hole in the playoff, and he and he just couldn't get the done. His his flat stick is horrendous, and he's I I don't know if he can win. Well, and that's the thing is that it's funny how the narrative changes because if if, if Homa buries that putt. We're talking about Homa going out and winning this championship. And you know what? Yeah, Tony finishes second. And, and hey, it was a great final round. He made a run. And, and maybe he can win. And maybe he can do this. Yeah. Instead, it goes to a playoff. Finau misses the seven-footer on the 10th hole in the first playoff hole to, to win the tournament. And now the narrative has totally changed. And we're talking about, can Finau win? When is this win ever going to come? And yeah. is, is he going to be another Lee Westwood of the world where he's he he's a he's a great player and we all see his potential, but he just doesn't doesn't get there with uh, with some of those major wins. And I know for the Lee Westwood fans out there, I know he's won overseas and all that stuff, but he hasn't won the big tournaments and and all that. It, Tony's going to get his wins, but when your career starts this way, you start to wonder: Can he get the real big wins? Yeah. Can he get the majors? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's move on to this week's golf course. Um, you've got some fun little couple facts in there. It's well, con- Concession Golf Club down yeah, in Bradenton, actually, Florida. Yeah, and you actually uh, 
knew a little bit deeper than I did, but it was kind of cool how they got the name, and, and that's uh, back from an old Ryder Cup. This is a Jack Nicholas golf course, and they had a Ryder Cup, I think it was in the 60s, and it was one of the few times uh, back then that, that Europe um, took down the United States in the Ryder Cup, and it was all about that, that famous handshake that you saw on the 18th. I don't know if it was the 18th. Period. Yeah, it was the 18th. There you yeah. go. And uh, Jack, Jack Nicholas conceded, right? He gave him the putt, and he then, in turn, changed the name to concession for conceding the, the game. I thought that was kind of really cool. I don't know what the name of the golf course was before, but um, I'm really interested. It looks like it's a beast. There's a, you know, it's almost 7,500 yards and uh, it's going to be fun to see um, how these players handle a, a somewhat new course. Yeah. It, that's what I'm excited about. Something new. Hey, 2006 bid it, uh, voted best private course um, in the world. Yep. For all of our golfers out there who understand rating and slope, just like you said, Dutch, an absolute monster. 76.7 on the rating, 155 slope. Ridiculous. The toughest golf course in Canada, folks, is the National Golf Club of Canada, and I believe the slope is 150. Yeah. So that gives you uh, an idea of how tough this track's going to be playing. Traditional Florida course, by the looks of the website, tons of uh, water in play. And they've got a, I believe the eighth hole is 616 yards. So we'll see. Hopefully Bryson can get home with a driver and a five iron. Well, leads me to my picks. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that have played this golf course. I'm punting on this week, by the way. I know, it's a hard one. I'm punting on this week. Okay, it's a hard one. But I'm going to go right from where you just said. The no lo- historical data. The, the la- yeah, but the last time they had a big event there was in 2015, and it was a silly, silly little stat, but it's true. And it was the NCAA Championships, and, and Bryson DeChambeau, what do you know? He was the winner there. And I'm going to take him. You know, he, you know, if he gets familiar with the golf course, I think, uh, I know he missed a cut, but like I said, some of the big dogs missed a cut last week as well. So Finish strong. Finish strong on that Bryson point. He was uh, four under in the last ten holes. That's right. To make a run almost to make that cut, only missing it by two. Yeah, so. he's going to be there. Um, he's. I think he's going to get a rock and a roll, and so I'm, he's my top dog of the week, Bryson DeChambeau. I'm doubling down on that. All right, I I'm like it. I'm pulling a double dutch. Okay, beautiful. My steady pick of the week um, just always seems to find, find his way in, in these big events, and he's always uh, up and around there. He's quietly a, a superstar in, uh, in in the PGA, especially the last you know five, six, seven years, and that's Webb Simpson. Um, I, he hasn't been in action since the waste management. He was T forty two, but well, as I said, he can win anywhere, um, and he does love the big stage. Stage. My dark horse. There's no real dark horse in this event. I mean, you know, it's a WGC event. We know he has some big names in there, but I just really love the the way this kid's been playing, and uh, he had another good. Uh, uh, good start uh, this week, and that's uh, Joaquin Neiman. Yep. Since September, that was the U.S. Open. He uh, has been amazing. Uh, he was 23rd there. He's had a couple second place finishes in Hawaii. Um, I know he was only uh, T43 this week, but he is right there, primed and ready to go. And for being 22 years old, nothing's phasing this uh, Chilean kid. I, I think he can compete here. I like it. I like it. It's a tough week, like Dutch said. Uh... To pick, no data really to look at because of the golf course and and uh, where they're playing due to the COVID, not being able to go down to uh, to Mexico to play this yeah, event where yeah, they've yeah. been able to play it for the last few years. Yeah, here. I doubled down on Bryson DeChambeau with you. I'm going with another hot hand here. I, I realized our our folly last week not riding the hot hand, and I'm going. I like to call him Scotty Stifler, but I'm Scotty going. Scotty I'm going with Scotty yeah, Stifler. T7 at Waste Management. T7 
twenty at the Genesis last week, showing some hot form. It's time for him to show up in one of these big WGC events. I like my man Stifler, Scotty Scheffler. Um, he's in and around, I believe, the fifty to one mark on this week's. Uh, yeah, if you're betting a few shekels, so I like Scotty there. And I couldn't. You know what you said? You just said. You can't find a dark horse? Well, I found one in this week's event. There's a few out there. I don't know what his odds are, but maybe you can look them up here as I I, uh, I right. explain them. But did you know this man shares a birthday with me? He is also a big Scotsman. <laughs> and that is he showed some form in Saudi. It's got to be Showed some form at Abu Dhabi. That is Robert McIntyre. Now you're going to have to go And that out. is um, my picks of the week. I like him. To show up, I think he's got a good chance here. He's shown some good form, so it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, how this shapes up this week. Because I think we'll be in for a couple surprises, and then I think some of the big guns will start to uh, start to come out. Yeah, I'm looking right now, and before we uh, end this show, I'm going to try and find it here. Right? There we go. Well, folks, make sure you're following us on all the social media outlets: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out that live show. We've got another live show coming up. I believe going on right before the NFL free agency in mid-March. We've got a couple cool more guests lined up throughout the month of March and uh, coming on here in the next few podcasts. It's been fun doing it with you, Dutch. I had to look it up on the other side because there is another PGA event, which we should have talked about, but we didn't. Mr. McIntyre, that's the one in Puerto Rico, I think. Yeah, that's right? correct. Yep. So anyways, uh, Robert McIntyre is 84-1. to 84-1. to 84-1. Probably 20 20 plus to one on the each way bet as my sleeper. Hey, I'll take uh, Joaquin at 50 to one, boys and girls. I'll take him at 50 to one all day long. All day long. Dutch, any closing thoughts before we end this episode? No, good chat. Uh, let's fix this uh, gold thing, okay, men, ladies. Let's, let's just make it work properly, okay? Don't make me look like a fool. Ladies, I love you all, and I promise this isn't a man, ladies thing. Uh, this is just straight facts on tennis. That you heard it here first, folks. And thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.